Alrighty. So a couple things kind of rolled together for me this week as, as, um, as we were going through the week and kind of, that's how things work. You know, kind of stuff happens, stuff goes on. I observe things, I read things. Ideas come, inspiration comes, intuition comes. That usually sometime on Saturday I sit and I'm quiet for a while and say, oh, okay, sweet one, what do we want to talk about tomorrow? And then I listen, and then I listen. And what came to me, the title is, don't just renew yourself. Why just renew yourself when you can reinvent yourself? And it has to do with this fact that we are in an existence that is constantly changing, constantly becoming something, <laughs> something over and over again, or something entirely new. And that's our choice. That's our choice. So we know that this, um, <clears throat> this holiday we're in, the spring holiday, Easter is coming in a few weeks. We're going to talk more about Easter and different Easter traditions as we get closer. But Easter comes at spring, and spring is a time of renewal, a renewal in nature, and it's very, very important <clears throat> in nature, if you think about it, you know. Now, spiritually, there's a deeper meaning, there's a deeper significance that we, we look on <clears throat> how life renews itself, see, and we take a deeper meaning from that, we take a deeper spiritual meaning from that, that life never ends, it just changes, it just that which appeared to be dead is now alive and all of these different themes that we hear. But if you look, just look at nature, just look at nature for a moment without trying to, to take away from it the, the, deeper, the deeper meaning, the spiritual meaning. Life is pretty much just renewing itself, just renewing itself. There were leaves on the trees last year, and those leaves fell off. And now leaves are coming back. The tree is renewing its leaves, you know. The animals are giving birth to their young, you know. I can, I can hear the, the cardinals are starting to come back to the yard. And they're renewing their numbers. But they're the same type of animals that they were last year. The cardinals are cardinals. As we were discussing earlier, the pterodactyls are pterodactyls. You know, whatever they are, they kind of, they kind of renew themselves. But they're not a whole lot different than they were last year. So that got me to thinking. You know, there's there's a difference between renewal, which is good and which we need, and reinventing, which is different, and which is kind of better for us. <laughs> so let's look at that difference just a little bit. So renewing is kind of take, taking something that was once new, that may have gotten old, that may have worn out, that may have, that may have falling, fallen into um, a dormancy or into a state of disrepair. And we make it as new again. So, you, so maybe you have an old car, and it's been sitting around in the garage for 15 years or so, and you want to restore it. And you go through that, and you have your mechanic go through it, and they, they replace all the old gaskets that are dried out. You know, they replace all the fluids in the engine. They check everything out and make sure that 
that everything is working within within design tolerances. And they more or less take everything that was old or worn out and they replace it and make it not not exactly brand new, but they make it like new. That's renewal. When they get finished, <laughs> it's the same car it was 20 years ago. Of course, now it's a now it's a classic, but it's still the same car that it was 20 years ago. It's been renewed. But reinventing, reinventing is when we take something and we change it so completely that it becomes something totally new, something totally different, something that it never was before. We have reinvented it, you know. And we would often hear this with, with uh, people, that maybe they would go through an entire career and then suddenly that career is over. Maybe that business went bust and no longer exists. And then all of a sudden they emerge in a totally different career, in a totally different way. They've reinvented themselves, you know. Now, renewal is good. We need renewal. We need, we need to constantly be renewing, regenerating ourselves and our bodies. We need to be taking in good food and good beverage. We need to be taking in air and sunshine. We need to engage in exercise. And we need to do all of the things that are appropriate to renew our physical our physical, our human, <coughs> our natural self. But there's more, you see, there's more. We are spiritual beings. We are not just human beings. We are spiritual beings. And we're not here just to ride this rock around this sun year after year after year and celebrate a, a renewal, whether it be on our birthday or whether it be on New Year's Day, and, and you realize that New Year's Day is different for different cultures, right? It's just an arbitrary day that they said, okay, here's where we're going to start over again. It's not about us as spiritual beings doing the same thing over and over and over again. It is about, as Wendy read in, in the in the opening quote, is about us discovering what it is that fulfills us, fulfills our soul, what it, what it is that satisfies us. In the New Testament, you, there, there's a, a line in there that you kind of can take different ways, but it says, you know, if you, if you drink water, you get thirsty again. But this is Jesus talking. He says, but if you think, if you drink what I'm offering you, you'll never get thirsty again. He wasn't talking about the physical experience because the physical experience gets thirsty and needs to be renewed, needs to drink cool water to be renewed. But there is something within us that when we discover it, it is so satisfying that we say that we are fulfilled. We want, we want nothing else. Or we have no more desires. Right? Now think about this for a moment. Think about desire. In, in our culture, we've, we've kind of been taught, and I don't think we quite understand what it means, that desire is bad. Now, now part of this comes from the Buddhist teaching, which says that, you know, 
pain and suffering come from desire. Suffering comes from desire. We want something, we strive for it, we get it, then we're afraid that we're going to lose it, and we suffer, and then we lose it, and we suffer. And the idea then is, is if we didn't desire, we wouldn't, we wouldn't suffer, see? And there's truth in that. There's truth in that. But in our culture, we kind of take things out of context, and we say, oh, well, well, we shouldn't have any desires. That's it. Desire is bad, and we shouldn't have any desires. And uh, Lori and I were attending a class with a, um, a professor of Hindu philosophy at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. That's where he taught. We were taking a class out at the, <coughs> out at the uh, Hindu Center in Morrisville, North Carolina, by the airport. Mm -hmm. And he has, he has a very simple question that stopped me right in my tracks, you know. He said, isn't the desire to have no desires still a desire? <laughs> I said, wow, wow. So in our culture we say, desire is bad. I desire to have no desires. Oh, wait a second, that's bad, see? And the point he was trying to make is we have to understand that certain desires can bring us in, into suffering, but certain desires are good and necessary for life, you see. So we thirst, we thirst, and thirst is a desire, right? and it causes us to engage in something that is good for us, drinking water. Now you and I, we have a freedom of choice, you see. We can drink water, or we can drink alcohol, or we can drink carbonated beverages with a lot of sugar in them, or, or we can drink whatever we want. Now, our choice may take this desire, which in itself is, is neither good nor bad. It is just life telling us, hey, you know, your body needs to hydrate. We can, through the, the interaction or, or the <coughs> injection of our free will, we can take that desire and use it in a manner that is not necessarily good for us. Or we can use it in a manner that is good for us. So now we come into, <clears throat> we come into a different understanding, if you will, between renewal and reinvention and between uh, the world of nature and the world of spirit and of ourselves. So if we look Back at the animal kingdom, as I said, if, if, you, if you look now at the, at the baby birds that are hatching now, as opposed to the baby birds that hatched last year and the year before and the year before, they're all much the same. Not much has changed, right? If, if we could go fast forward 10 years into the future and look, look at the birds that were being hatched, again, they would very likely be almost identical to the ones that we see today. See, nature, nature changes very, very slowly. We might have to, if we had one of those time machines like they had in the H.G. Wells book, if we had a time machine and we could get back in it and we could zap back maybe a million years and look at that species of bird, we would see it as different. If we could zap a million years into the future and look at that species of bird, we might see that again, it is different than the one today because over time, very, very slowly, over time, it has adapted, it has changed. 
Now, the other thing that happens if we look at evolution is that at times there's almost kind of a leap, if you want to think of it that way. Uh, something really dramatic happens. Something really shifts, you know. So if, if you think of, of life kind of in the ocean evolving as, as just little single-celled animals that kind of floated around, you know. And then they got together and they specialized and... <clears throat> Because each one had to do its own its own hunting, <laughs> well, more or less, just wait for food to come to it. But it had to eat, you know. It had to it had to assimilate it, assimilate it. it had to eliminate, you know. It had to do all the functions of life by itself. And then somehow, some way, some impulse, <coughs> these cells organized. They got themselves together. And they organized in such a way that they became specialized, see. And some absorbed the nutrients from the, from the external environment, and others absorbed those nutrients from the internal environment, and, and some became a muscle and he pumped those nutrients around the organism, and some became flippers and they could swim. And there was a big change, there was a big change. But again, it took long, long, long time. And then, and I'm not, I'm not about to tell you that everything, everything I'm telling you here is exactly the way it happened. This is kind of my understanding, which is probably flawed. So at some point, these things crawl out onto the land. And again, there's a shift, you see? Big shift. Move from the ocean, move to the land. <clears throat> some point, they move from four legs to two. Some point, they can start climbing trees. Some point they start to evolve <clears throat> greater degrees of uh, of mental capacity, and if we look at that, you see, we can say that life has always been moving forward in a manner that leads to greater awareness, greater intelligence, if you want to call it that, greater awareness and greater mobility or greater freedom. So Dr. Holmes tells us, asks us to consider <clears throat> that if something is evolving, it must have a principle from, what, from which it is evolving. Right? I mean, we could call it the life principle if you want to call it that. But life has constantly been evolving from this life principle, but it seems to be evolving towards something, towards a greater... <laughs> a greater mental capacity and greater freedom. And this is us. See, this is where we, we as beings capable of self-awareness, this is where we emerge into that scene. So we can say that life is kind of doing two things. Nature, life, if we just step back away from it. Nature is very, very consistently renewing itself. And in that renewal, it is making minor changes, minor adaptations to its environment. But at the same time, it has been moving forward in leaps that come every so often that lead to a greater degree of self-awareness and a greater degree of freedom. That's what we're, that's what nature is moving towards.
Now, <laughs> this is where we get to reinventing, reinventing. Nature, in what it is doing, does not require a lot of will and volition and choice on the part of the animals. The birds, are, the birds hatch, and the birds are birds. And from the moment they're born, they're birds. And they do what birds do. They simply do what they came here to do. Right? As far as we know, you know, without without conscious thought, and how wonderful is that, you know? I used to marvel when I would get down to um, get down to Fort Fisher early in the morning or late at night, sunrise or sunset, and just watch the the uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of birds that would fly from there was there's an island out in in the river. Um, the ferry goes by it. It's actually called Bird Island. <laughs> when you get close to it, you know it. It smells. It was it was dredgings that you know they they when they cleared the channel they made this man-made island and the birds made it their home. But in the morning there are thousands and thousands and thousands of birds that take flight and they head out to the ocean in search of the good that they expect is there. You know. You never hear them complain, you know. You never hear them say, well, gee, here we go again. I wonder if there's going to be any fish out there today, you know. <laughs> they never seem to worry. They never seem to get depressed or bored. They just simply do by instinct, by instinct, that which they are born to do. Now we, on the other hand, we as, as spiritual beings, we, we have given up some of that instinct. We have given that up as we have moved into self-awareness and we have replaced it with logic and reason, men mental capacity. And we also have intuition, but we don't use intuition as much as we could we should. In other words, we have come to rely on our wits as a species. You know, we tend to try to solve things by sitting and figuring them out and coming up with mathematical formulas and all these things. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But my point is, is that what the animals do, because they are so in tune with what they are, they, they probably cannot question, you know, as they say, they, can, they can't wake up in the morning. John, you know, Jonathan Livingston Seagull was a story, okay, so, so they don't wake up in the morning and start to wonder why they're seagulls. They just take flight and do what God created them to do. They head out to sea and they catch the fish and at night they head back home. But you and I we have sort of lost touch with that. We have lost touch with that instinct, with that innate satisfaction of just being. And this is not a bad thing. This is, in fact, a good thing. This is the divine urge within us. This is, this is life 
moving us forward. You know? Emerson said, we need a certain amount of divine discontent in order to move us forward. This is important, this is very important because if you and I stay stuck in one place too long, we get the urge to do something else. We may get bored, we may get depressed, you know. We may start to wonder, is, is this all there is? But that is just life telling us, you've been sitting too long in the same spot. You weren't created to be like the birds, to simply do the same thing over and over and over again. You are here to discover your soul. The divine urge of discontent when we stay stuck too long is the divine urge that is telling us, discover your soul, discover what is fulfillment, become self-actualized. Reinvent yourself from the human, repetitive, <laughs> getting up, going to work, doing the same thing over and over and over, reinvent yourself into the spiritual being that you are, expressing, expressing the life of the one who sent you in each and everything you do. Now, important point to make here is that we may, in fact, do many of the things that look familiar. We may, in fact, get up and go to work. We may, you know, if we're a teacher, we may teach. If we're a preacher, we may preach. If we're a writer, we may write, you know. If we're a chef, we may cook. We may still be doing things that look like the old things, but there's a different sense of fulfillment in our lives. So we might say in the past, we worked to live. We worked to get money so that we could live. But once we find our, our, what we are trying to express, see then our work is an expression of our livingness. It is an expression of who and what we are. Gibran says that, that work is love made visible. Love made visible. Can we, can we be in that place where everything that we do we can see as a beautiful expression of divine love? That the love of God is loving the earth as me, is loving other people as me, through me. The divine loves you by means of me, loves me by means of you. When two people hug, it is the divine hugging the divine. So this is totally different. See, this is a totally different feeling. This is a totally different awareness than simply doing the same thing over and over and over again. So what we're talking about then is reinventing ourselves either completely from the human to the spiritual being or if we have already begun the awakening as a spiritual being 
to reinvent ourselves to a greater degree as an expression of spirit. So I'm going to read a little bit here of what uh, Dr. Holmes has written in a textbook starting on page 81 where he's talking about spirit. Now it's very important that, that we divide things into the Trinity. We say the spirit, the soul, and the body, or the Father, the Holy Spirit, and the Son. How Many different ways in many different cultures it's divided. But we divide things into three because it makes it easier for us to understand. But in fact there's only one, and there can't be one without the other two. So this is what he's, he's talking about, the definition of spirit. The definition of spirit is life or intelligence conceived of entirely apart from physical embodiment. It is a vital essence, force, energy, as distinct from matter. Now remember he said it is conceived, right? We think of it. This is how we think of it because it makes it easier for us to think of. But he goes on to tell us that that doesn't cloak itself in matter is, is not possible because it must express itself, right? So, so this is a concept <coughs> that we have. If we think of life, what is it that animates our bodies? What is it that animates the animals' bodies? What, what, is, it, what is it that causes the leaves to, to, to come back to the trees? You know, It is life. It is just this ambiguous thing that we call life. Life itself. Life conceived of as entirely apart from physical embodiment. Pro probably the definition of God as spirit is more easily understood and readily accepted than any other term in using, <coughs> excuse me, used in describing the deity. Spirit is the active and self-conscious principle. Active and self-conscious principle. Spirit is first cause, or God, the absolute essence of all that is. It is the great or universal I am. Spirit is conscious mind and is the power which knows itself. It is conscious being. The spirit is self-propelling. It is absolute and all. It is self-existence and it has all life within itself. It is the word, and the word is volition, and it has choice because it is volition. It is will because it chooses. It is free spirit because it knows nothing outside of itself, and therefore nothing different from itself. It is impossible for a finite mind to comprehend such a complete life and power. In moments of real inspiration, we realize, to a degree at least, that God is all. That which has within itself all that, real, that really is, the life in everything and the love in everything, the one presence and the one infinite person whom we call God or Spirit, within this one, we all live. Then he just, I want to read just one paragraph about creation. Creation does not mean making something out of nothing. Creation is the passing of spirit into form. And it is eternally going on. 
Spirit cannot change, for being all, there is nothing for it to change into. This is self-evident. So this is why Dr. Holmes tells us that, that love is, is the creative process. Love is the self-givingness of spirit through the creative process. The spirit is becoming the thing that has been created. We need to stop right there and recognize that that includes us. That includes us. We did not create ourselves. Our parents did not create us. But divine love has created us out of the only thing it had to create from or with itself. This is why we're told you're made in the image and the likeness of God. God doesn't have an image and a likeness, right? Spirit, spirit is what we conceive of as being before matter. That which cloaks itself with matter. But in its nature. So what is its nature? And what are we? And are we really trying to reinvent ourselves according to that nature? Are we really trying deliberately? Dr. Holmes says at times stubbornly, it's stubbornly, we refuse to accept things as they are, as they appear to be. We refuse to accept things by appearances and see through to the spiritual truth. So life has created this entire system that is moving forward into a greater degree of self-awareness and into a greater degree of freedom, and that is us, in making that leap, we have been to some degree stripped of our instinct because if we functioned on instinct, we would not be spontaneous, right? <laughs> you, know, you don't see the bird hatching from from the nest and just saying spontaneously, ooh, I want to be a cow, you know, I think I'll be a cow. It can't do that, you see. Instinct says you are a bird, you are a cardinal, you know. You're going to turn a certain color, you're going to sing a certain song. They don't have any choice, they don't exercise choice in that. But we do. And we are required to do that. I think that's the most important thing for us to understand. We are required to do so. It is not that we may or we may not. We are required to do so. And we are doing so all the time, whether we know it or not. We are doing it <laughs> without being deliberate. We are defaulting to whatever our subconscious beliefs are. We are defaulting to the programming we received as we were children growing up. And we are constantly, constantly, constantly reliving that which we have been taught we are, we have been told we are. And we must stop and say, it doesn't matter what I was told. It doesn't matter how many times I repeated that. It doesn't matter how many times I renewed my life on my birthday or on New Year's Day and did the same things over and over and over again. What matters is, is that I have will, I have volition, because 
I am part of the spirit that has will and volition. <coughs> so when a divine creates, how does it create? It creates because it has made a choice. It creates because it has a desire to express itself in some particular way. It desires to reinvent itself in some particular way. And once it sets its intention, makes up its mind, decides, chooses, however you want to put it, speaks its word, is the way we're told in, the, in Genesis. Once it speaks its word, the power of the universe acting as a subservient law makes it so. Makes it so. Spirit said, let there be, and there was. That let it be, you see, that is a will, uh, an act, a conscious act of volition, of choice. Let there be this, let there be that. Not let there be something, let there be stuff, let there be anything, let there be this specific. But once that decision is made, there's a power that knows how to bring it about and does so. Without question, without, without saying, really? Are you sure you want this? Like putting the seed in the soil, you know. The soil doesn't say, no, no. You really don't want tomatoes. I'm going to give you cucumbers instead. You sow the seed. The laws of nature do the rest. So we have been created, you and I have been created to be in a unique individualized point where spirit reinvents itself as us. But, and by that I mean it creates something that never was before. Right? It's totally different, unique in our expression. Something that you and I, you and I can do. You and I can be, you and I can express that no one else can or will do it just like us, just like the snowflakes. Nobody can and will do it just like us. We are that point where life is discovering itself anew as us. <coughs> That's why we're told in the scriptures, the special one in whom I'm well pleased. That's all of us, you see. All of us, when we step into the role of self-actualization, when we give up the idea that we are just simply human beings who must go through this, this life one year at a time until it's over, and instead say, you know, every single day I get to choose. Every single day I get to decide how I will express love. And knowing that once we make that decision, that all of heaven and earth support us. And again, going back to scriptures, we're told that the, the mountains will remove their tops, the trees will bow down in their presence. All of these different kind of things that say, wake up to your spiritual nature. And you'll have a totally different experience. So knowing about it is, is a start. We have, to, we have to know that, right? <coughs> so 
we have been created to choose and because we have that ability to choose instinct has been diminished right because we could not have both we could not be pre-programmed by instinct and then free to choose both at the same time but we have another gift that we hardly ever use and that's intuition and that is the inner knowing within us right if if the divine mind is all that there is and it is everything and it is everyone and it is expressing itself as us and it knows everything there is a part of us that knows and the problem is is that we we are not in practice of accessing that <coughs> excuse me or recognizing that when it speaks to us and that's an important skill that we have to develop as we go through life we we actually um, had sessions on this in ministerial class. Ask people, do you know how your intuition speaks to you? Some people hear it, some people see it, some people feel it. You know? But each one came to learn with practice when intuition was speaking. So now we recognize that we are spiritual beings. We recognize that we are here to reinvent, not to simply renew. But it starts with a choice. We have to make up our minds. And <laughs> Emmett Fox tells us we have to make up our minds, we have to keep them made up. You know, we flit from here to here to here, you know. <coughs> We're like the little the little children in, in, in kindergarten, you know. One week they come to school and they're all gonna be doctors, and then the next week they'll come to school and now they're gonna be astronauts, you see. And the little imaginations are so fertile and so creative and it's wonderful, but they're flitting from here to here to here. And at some point, you and I have to make a decision and stick with it long enough for it to unfold, you know. I think most of the time we, we make up our mind, we stay with it a little while, and then we get distracted and we go on to something else. Excuse me, I'm getting some water here. So we have to decide. What is it? What is it that fulfills your soul? Do you know what that is? If you don't know what that is, how are you going to find out? Can you sit and listen to your intuition? Can you recognize that there must be a part of you that already knows? And if you use your spiritual practice of treatment... Can you declare that that answer is now revealing itself to you in a manner that you are perfectly capable of understanding, that it has already done so? And then listen, and then listen. And then the scary part comes. <laughs> the intuition tells us something, we go, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> You talking to me? No, 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 no. But yet that's your heart's desire. See, that's your heart's desire speaking to you. See, if we if we only stay in our comfort zone, if we only do the things that we already know how to do, even if we just get a little bit better year after year, we're just renewing. But when we start to get in touch with that which truly fulfills our soul, it usually is a big stretch for us. And there's a reason for that. 
because that's how our growth occurs. We have to move towards that and grow into it. And it is that growth that is becoming something more than we were before. See, it is that reinventing ourselves into this new experience. That is our spiritual growth. Constantly changing, constantly growing, constantly expanding, you know. Sailing towards the horizon, knowing that we're never going to get to it. That the closer we get, the further it moves. Now we have to trust, you see. We have declared that guidance is ours and we have received it. And now, <laughs> now we might be a little bit frightened. But now we have to trust that that same power, that same power that knew what to do when Spirit said, let there be light, and made it, that same power knows how to do what needs to be done for us to grow into that expression. That divine intuition is there to replace our logic and reason, or sub supplant it, or, or help it out. Let me put it to you that way. Right? See, if we only do what we can figure out by logic and reason, we're only going to do the same stuff over and over again. We might go on the internet and get more information and learn some new things, but our intuition is going to take us that leap. It's going to take us that leap. So we have to learn. This is why it's an important skill. We have to learn to be able to understand how and when our intuition is revealing new things to us. And then we have to do it. We have to treat and move our feet. We have to do that which we are guided to do. Now we may go back to school. We may get a different degree. We may do lots of things that seem to be ordinary, but we are doing it out of a sense of this is fulfilling my soul. This is helping me to reinvent myself as a spiritual being. I'm not just doing it out of the ordinary motivations, although there's nothing wrong with the ordinary motivations. But I'm doing it out of a higher motivation, out of a higher sense of purpose, out of a sense of fulfillment. So we as human beings, we can do several things that, as far as we know, the, the animals in the animal kingdom do not do. Right? We are most likely more self-aware of, of our own self, more aware of our own self, our own uniqueness. And, there's, and we have to use it. I say self-awareness is what sets us apart, and the fact that we don't, we don't practice it sets us apart. We must practice being self-aware. You and I get to choose. We, we get to make a conscious choice. We get to decide how we are going to express this life. How we are going to live. We are like the little children who can be a doctor one week and an astronaut the next. We get to make that choice, but we get to live it. See, we get to express it. We get to fulfill it. And the reason that we can do it and the reason that we should do it are because in so doing we discover and express more 
of our spiritual nature. We haven't come here to just do the same thing over and over and over again every year until we die. We have come here to discover our unique spiritual nature and to find, to create, <laughs> to allow the law to help us create the circumstances in which we can fulfill that. Now I realize people go, well, how am I going to make a living doing this? How am I going to make... That's the intellect. Lori and I used to do a workshop called Finding Your Life Mission, and one of the first objections people would say was, well, when I figure out what I want to do with my life, nobody's going to pay me to do it. And we would say, how do you know that? What is it you want to do with your life? And they would say, well, I don't know. I said, well, you don't know, but you're sure you can't make a living at it. That's kind of self-defeating before you start. So we used to keep a little book, a little scrapbook, <coughs> in the days when you actually cut stuff out of paper, of all of the, of the unique things that people did and made a living at it. One of the most unique ones that I never knew of was a butterfly rancher. There's <laughs> actually people <coughs> who raise butterflies. I don't know why, but they raise butterflies. No. If I would have told you that, you would have said, nah, you're crazy. Nobody can do that. There is a way. Divine love would not give you the desire if there was not a way to fulfill it. God does not mock itself. All of God is for you. None of God is against you. The divine life created you to express through you and as you. It stands ready, willing, and able to support you, but you have to do the one thing that it cannot do for you, and that is choose. You have to make up your mind. So I invite you this week, as you go out in nature and you observe all of nature around you, renewing itself, recognize that you are part of that renewal but you have been given the ability to reinvent. And now it is time to reinvent. Have a beautiful week. And so it is. Let's